0: This is the John Oakley Show podcast.
1: She is chair girl. Lots to talk about here. It is not a pleasant crime and it shocked a lot of people, but it may be a symbol of of something else. We have a great guest. Joining me is David Perry, CEO, Investigative Solutions Network, Inc., and Global News Radio's Crime and Security Analyst. David Perry, thank you for joining us.
0: Good evening. Happy to be here.
1: All right. What do you make of this? I'm calling it a modern crime. Here we have a 19-year-old girl. We've got. She's got a handle already. She got a lot of clicks. She was on a video, and order to get all this attention, she tossed a chair. We know how it goes. Somebody could have been killed. What do you make of this? I mean, we've been hearing, this is not the first time we've been hearing the people in condos have been flinging things out the window for a couple of years now. I mean, people have been complaining and now we've got this.
0: Yeah, it seems to me that this young lady wanted to get some overnight stardom and Mm -hmm. obviously post this and have it go viral and You know, perhaps there was some alcohol and or drugs or a combination that uh, led her to this really bad decision. And, uh, you know, the unbelievable part is that she actually did post it after you'd think that the common sense might have kicked in when she saw how dangerous that was and how closely that chair came to striking a vehicle and and possibly killing somebody. So we'll we'll see how how time serves her in terms of her, uh, you know, her remorse or what she thinks about what she's done.
1: It is, but he, you know, I don't know if you've seen any of the video as she faced the media, and i'm I'm you know i'm I'm describing what I see, and she looked like somebody quite thrilled with herself,
0: yeah, she does seem to be somebody who's enjoying the limelight and uh, enjoying the thrill. And I agree with you that it's a fairly new phenomenon where people are trying to get their stardom overnight, as they said, by doing something so foolish and so dangerous. and and then enjoying the, the aftermath, including the arrest and including the public attention, it just doesn't make any sense to me.
1: You know, as we talk about the bigger problem, should, should police take that into consideration here? I mean, it, we have one thing that it was very dangerous. On the other hand, we've got something that that seemed to be kind of cool by this person. Is there enough? Is there enough punishment for that attitude and that crime?
0: the good news is um, mischief endangering life is a very serious criminal offense and it's one of those offenses that is left wide open for the judge to make a decision and part of uh, the consideration for the sentencing will be you know the either the remorse or the lack thereof by by the accused and from what we're seeing as you said and her parading around the media and seem seeming to enjoy the the attention i don't think that's going to impress anybody so she could be somebody who's uh, given a significant sentence as a a form of sending a message and giving the appropriate punishment. But uh, let's just hope we don't get a whole pile of copycats now because that's the next thing we have to worry
1: about. It is true. And so, I mean, she only had $2,000 bail. I mean, she's 19. That didn't seem very much to me. It was endangering people.
0: No surprise at all that a 19-year-old for a charge like this would get out right away on a very minimal bail. Welcome to Canada. Unfortunately, it's... uh, it's very difficult to keep anybody in custody before their trial these days. And as you know, we have people who commit homicides and they get bail and they're, they're allowed to be free until their trial. So no surprise here at all.
1: All right, I want to move to something else. You know, it's no secret we've got women and Me Too and public opinion affects judgments and the law. It just does. And now 30 women who have come forward to accuse a former RCMP doctor of sexual assault. Well, the Toronto police have ruled out charges. David, as we just said, you know, this has been a lot of change when it comes to crime and punishment on this. So what do you make of this decision?
0: Well, I think, first of all, I uh, I feel for all of the survivors, all of the victims in this case, all of these women that have come forward, obviously feel that something very serious has happened, and I'm not suggesting for a second that it didn't. But surprisingly, um, the police have chosen not to lay charges and I must tell you, in, in today's climate, the police will lay charges with a very small amount of evidence when it has to do with a sexual crime. And I and I have seen and I've reviewed cases where, um, you know, it's a sort of a he said, uh, she said situation mm-hmm. and there's no other evidence other than the report. And then you've got a very strong denial, of course. And generally speaking, the police will go ahead and, and move forward with charges and, and allow the courts to dive into the whole issue and let a judge make that final decision and i kind of expected that, that might be what would happen in this case 30 women a lot of them uh tied to the law enforcement mm-hmm. community people that uh, are respected and trusted and to have this kind of an outcome today is i have to admit I'm, I'm i'm shocked as well and i'm surprised but i can't really comment any further until i have a look at uh, exactly what the lack of evidence they're they're going to refer to that led them to make this decision and at the end of the day the the truth is the truth and the police have to have evidence to support that all of the allegations and all of the actions of the suspect in this case that he actually had the thought that he was doing it for a sexual purpose and i think that's where some of this might have got lost I I think on behalf of the women who reported and and, uh, who were strong enough to come forward, I think they may deserve another level of review of the investigation. Again, not suggesting the police made the wrong Mm -hmm. decision or did a poor investigation, but transparency in situations like this is always a good thing. If I was the lead investigator in this case and I made that decision and the the public decided or the, the, the powers to be decided that that case should be reviewed, it wouldn't take any offense to that at all. And, and perhaps a second review, maybe by the office of the independent review director, which is sort of a standard place to start, wouldn't be a bad idea. And through that, becomes a public document and something that people can then sink their teeth into and, and then make a valid decision based on what is, what is there and what's not there. This one, this one is a, a bit of a one-off. I, I'm quite surprised. I thought there would have been charges. But I just don't know what lack of evidence was there to make the police uh, come to this final decision.
1: All right. You mentioned whether or not there was a sexual nature to what he was doing. We've heard this before. These are different times. One of the things that's confusing to me and to other people is what the true meaning of sexual assault is. We're very confused. You know, it used to be rape and this and we had different categories. Sexual assault's pretty broad, isn't it?
0: It is pretty broad, and and uh, I specialized in that for uh, many many years. And, but I, I can tell you this: um, sometimes it's more frustrating to the police, and especially on a case where I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just guess that the police were very passionate about what they were doing in this case, and listened to these victims, and and felt for these victims, and had empathy, and maybe themselves are very frustrated that they don't have the basic evidence to go ahead and proceed with charges. And so there may be two sides of this equation that are both frustrated, but I think it's significant enough that somebody independent should just have a look at this.
1: And, and you said, and, the office?" Yeah, you did. I mean, RCMP doctor, police investigating, other police—is—is is that a factor here? Let's. I,
0: I don't think it is. I mean, I can't—I can't think for a second. I've been around law enforcement my entire life, and I—I I can't imagine for a second that. The Toronto Police Service would try and sort of give somebody a a step up, a, a former doctor for the RCMP, you know, for, for any untoward purpose. I mean, we're we're all standing behind victims of violence, and it's our job as police officers to protect mm-hmm. people and to make sure that justice is sought and in cases like this. This one is, is troubling. It, it's a case that, personally, if I had a chance, I would love to review and, and see if I could add another opinion to it and at the end of the day it may be that i come up with the exact same conclusion as the toronto police there's a lot of speculation happening right now for good reason there's uh, a lot of pain by women who came forward and thought they would finally have their yeah. case. and I, I can only imagine how disheartening and how how discouraged they must be by this case at the end of the day the toronto police may have made the exact decision based on their their investigation and whatever evidence they had and uh and it's one of those cases where it's going to be a very difficult day for all the survivors.
1: Let me ask you, you know, we've been talking about different times. You referenced it. How much does that affect things? We've been through, all through an incredible journey here. Some say the pendulum has swung too far, and then we saw it swing back, and then we see, you know, land somewhere else. Bill Cosby is not a free man, although we do understand he says he's having an incredible experience in jail, unquote. You know, how much does public sentiment and the kind of discussion we've been having around me to affect the reality of cases and charges?
0: Well, it does affect, you know, sort of the process and it affects, um, you know, the the opinions and maybe even in some ways the, the policy that comes out of the Crown Attorney's Office. And uh, when all of that is said, for example, uh, I'll give you a good example. When we go into domestic violence situations, if if there is a threat of evidence, and not even something that would support mm-hmm. a conviction, but an, an absolute threat of evidence that somebody has assaulted somebody in a domestic violence situation, they're, they're arrested Yeah, and charged. And the same thing in sexual offenses. If there's a threat of evidence to hang that charge, they'll go ahead and charge. And again, sort of Uh, dismissing the idea that usually when we go to court, the Crown Attorney makes a quick um, determination on whether they have a reasonable prospect of a conviction. And if they don't, they'll withdraw the charges, but not in sexual offenses, not in domestic violence offenses, because we'd rather err on the the big oversight of caution and charge somebody Mm -hmm. and lose the charge Mm -hmm. and lose the charge rather than have somebody victimized a second time. then you've got a situation like we're talking about and all of these women are being victimized a second time and i don't think on purpose but just the nature of what's happening i think they truly believe that there were going to be charges laid 30 women complaining about one person that's a lot of people and in cases like that that's the first thing we look for let's call it serial sexual offenses Mm -hmm. or serial sexual predators is we we look for commonalities we look for okay but if uh The subject is usually a man. If he's done it more than once, you know, now we're starting to get fired. And um, now we're starting to get a ball rolling and we start developing evidence and people who are unknown to each other start talking about things that happen to other people. The patterns all start coming together. There's corroboration. It's not necessary that you have that, but there's corroboration through independent victims and witness statements and suddenly you've got yourself a case. And it seems that whatever happened in this case, it didn't quite get to that threshold. And I'm puzzled by it. But uh, I have a lot of faith in the Toronto Police and and the sex crimes Unit. There's people there with a lot of expertise. And I'm, I'm guessing that they're not feeling real good about the decision that they had to announce today.
1: All right, David Perry, it was great to have you and your view on all this stuff. You have a lovely evening, David. It's a pleasure. Anytime. David Barry, CEO, Investigative Solutions Network, and Global News Radio's Crime and Security Analyst.
0: Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.